What is certain is that this light has been at the emergence of all our religions and spiritual movements. James's comment was that the founders of every church owed their power and influence originally to the fact of their direct personal communion with the divine. What also seems certain is that when we consider the studies of Moody and others on the near-death experience, this light awaits us at the end of our physical life. As James further stated, these experiences offer hypotheses which may form an insight into the meaning of life. These accounts, he states, tell of the supremacy of the ideal, of vastness, of union, of safety, and of rest. They offer us hypotheses, hypotheses which we may voluntarily ignore, but which, as thinkers, we cannot possibly upset. The supernaturalism and optimism to which they would persuade us may, interpreted one way or another, be after all the truest of insights into the meaning of this life. In an increasingly difficult world of fragile economies and of the ongoing deterioration of the world's ecosystem, a significantly different mental approach is essential. However, it is imperative that the initiation of such change must originate from deep within the individual. Only from a change to an individual's consciousness and conscientiousness will such a change on a global basis come about. A new approach, a new perspective is demanded, along with the formation of a new reality. The confrontation of the self is of utmost importance, since it is only with that knowledge that there will be individual change and a shift in consciousness. Furthermore, it is only by this individual process that this essential shift in world consciousness will also arise. A complete departure from this present global spiritual morass is needed because all that has been is not working now, to the extent that although it may have worked, it can most certainly be improved. Indeed, at times it seems with the evolution of the human species that there has been a devolution in consciousness. It is therefore imperative that there must be significant change to the way that we approach life individually and as a world population, and that we liberate ourselves from this worldwide spiritual quagmire in which we find ourselves. Even many self-described spiritual individuals are not as comfortable as perhaps they profess to be, and, while it is preferable that they exist, for they have made steps in the right direction, for those that need it, perhaps they will find some relevant foundation or context from the contents of this book. We can no longer be complacent, our minds at rest with scientific tenets, which for many of us provide little substance and comfort. Nor should we find a peace within a blind faith, within one of the many religious systems which all stem from undoubtedly one source. Neither system, religious or scientific, is fully formed in answering all that we lack in knowledge. The gaps in our psyche are not filled to any satisfactory degree. However, one cannot know oneself if there is no perspective, no knowledge of our present environment or from whence we came. It is essential that we possess knowledge from antiquity to find the greatest truth, or, at very least, the least corrupted. 
and this needs, like everything else in life, the requisite effort. Theoretical knowledge without practical application is redundant. This knowledge must be absorbed into subconscious knowledge. It is essential that, in attaining a more accurate perspective, we are aware of cultures of antiquity and ancient spiritual texts. We would all benefit from less escapism and a concentration on more meaningful and profound matters. Indeed, in my view, the world of non-fictional work is particularly fascinating, with greater wonders to behold than that of fiction. One might ask, how in this fast-paced, materially-based society are we ever to accommodate such an endeavour? Someone said that there is always time. It is only the lack of inclination that prevents us. It may be that this is not for you, and if so, then so be it. If one is willing, however, one can find the opportunities. Watch less television, read on your commute, and if you drive, listen to audiobooks, and so on. Suffice it to say that the greater the endeavour, the greater the rewards, and the greater the number of the world population that gets on board, the greater the transition, the more complete the shift in global and collective consciousness, or, as Plato described it in Timaeus, the world soul. Carl Jung was once criticised on the grounds that only the privileged few can allow themselves the degree of introversion Jung allowed himself and that to benefit fully from Jungian-like analysis, one should be relatively affluent, well-read and familiar with Greek mythology, articulate and good at the visualisation of images, as well as having a relatively strong ego to be able to confront the instincts and images of the unconscious. In other words, that Jung's procedure, not dissimilar to that suggested here, was designed particularly for a cultured, leisured, creative elite.